You're listening to Burnout Made Me Do It, a podcast for Monday haters looking for change, where I share tips on how to prevent and recover from burnout and interview amazing guests that come and share their stories. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Hollingdale. I'm an ex-burner turned psychotherapist and coach, and I help people feel happier and more fulfilled in their workplace. Now let's get to the good stuff. I'm joined today by principal coach of TMT Coaching, Megan Tobin. Say hi, Megan. Hi. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I am a endurance athlete, uh, a triathlon and open water swim coach, and a recovering corporate marketer, and Kim's BFF. <laughs> but, but that's co- completely coincidental. Well, somewhat coincidental in that my BFFs tend to be these amazing badass women of which you are the the leader. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what recovering uh, marketeer means. I have had numerous careers as an adult. Um, I don't even think of my current career, I would say as a career, I think of it as, as like finally finding my calling and where I'm always have supposed to have been. But in order to pay the bills, I've had numerous careers over my lifetime. I spent a little over 25 years as a corporate marketer, Mm -hmm. um, mostly as director, VP or, or chief marketing officer for high tech companies. And I always knew that wasn't what I wanted to do when I grew up, even though it had its moments and um, I felt like I was accomplished and good at it, but it, it didn't, you know, it didn't make me dance in the morning or get up excited to, to talk, you know, I liked people I worked with all those things, but um, so, yeah, so I did that for 25 years, always with this sort of vision of one day I'll, I'll get out of this. Um, But I just felt completely closed in by, bills and healthcare and kids and, uh, you know, responsibilities. So I never really thought I could do anything else for a very long time. It's such a, or it can feel so confining when you and I first met more than a a decade ago, I was, I think in the process of transitioning from some of my corporate PR and marketing life into therapy and, and going back to school to, to train that. But I, I also remember, you know, hitting on what you're saying, that feeling of like, I'm stuck, right? I'm not enjoying this career path or it doesn't light me up, but yeah. I've made it to a level at which financially it covers all the things I need it to cover. I'm experienced in it. I'm you know, well positioned in my career. And it felt a little, I don't know if the word is like golden handcuffs, but it felt a little trapping. Um, I think golden handcuffs is like, it does feel like that. We have this sort of uh, hamster wheel or roller coaster or or whatever you'll say of like adult responsibilities that you're supposed to do and, uh, and, and vision of what success looks like. And, um, and what motherhood, adulthood, womanhood, all of those things are supposed to be and and how much we're supposed to do with all of those things. And we get, to be honest, it's like a, it's a corporate trap. Um, I mean, all of those things feed into one another and, and completely 
trap us into, into this vision of what we're supposed to be. And, you know, I think I felt, I felt fulfilled and like a badass when I was killing all of those things, but it was exhausting. There were a lot of things that I, I did a lot of things. I did a lot of things fairly well, but I didn't do a lot of things even to the level of excellence that I wanted to do them because I was doing all of the things. And, um, you know, everyone complimented me and said, you know, like, like such a wonder woman for doing all of it, but it was like, yeah. And I'm friggin' miserable. And, and I did meet you the first time I met you, you, it was like, yeah, she's a corporate PR genius. You know, she's really fancy pants and, uh, and you were doing really well. And I think I knew you for about a year and suddenly you were like, I'm going back to school. I can't take this shit anymore. And, uh, and we were all like, here, here. Um, and I think I was jealous, you know, initially because I was like, wow, I would love to go back to school and do something completely different. Um, you know, I, I have more, <laughs> more, <laughs> more leachy children than you do. I love my children. But uh, <laughs> caveat, uh, caveat. responsibility. And it yeah. was like, oh, I could never do that. And so here we are 10 years later. And I went back and got a bunch of certifications, but I didn't like go back to college or anything like that and reinvent myself. But complete 180 to what I was doing before. So um yeah. Well and well, good for us, right? Yay us. Yay us for the reinventions. Well, I feel like you have reinvented yourself. I mean we already knew you and and I'm I think I am guilty being one of the people that praised you for being able to do all these things and and just being in awe that you seemed to spin all the plates and almost enjoy it which I was always envious of like my younger self wanted to be the person who could spin all the plates and enjoy it and I tried to be that person and just am not right like I needed to focus in on some things that I really enjoyed or I I, I couldn't be all the things that I had sort of set out to be or I wasn't enjoying them so much and so I think I was very you know in awe of that for you but obviously didn't always see behind the curtain of, of what was going on but the reinvention like I know you and have always known you as a triathlete that's how you and I met but I know that that even has been been somewhat of a reinvention for you yeah I mean it's been a freaking journey you know and um, the ideas of success and what success meant and doing all of these different things that have to be done at the same time required the spinning of the plates and and you know, and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you don't drop a few plates. And even if you're not dropping plates, sometimes it just didn't feel like I was truly appreciating the plates that I loved. Do you know what I mean? Like, these are the plates that make me happy. I really like to spend some quality time with them and maybe not deal with all of these things. And I, I don't know if it's a reinvention as much as a <laughs> coming to believe in myself and in being able to do something new, being able to do something I wasn't necessarily good at right out of the gate. I like to talk a lot about triathlons, and I know this is not a triathlon podcast, but triathlon is, and my journey there has become a metaphor for my life. And so I will just, I, I guess what I could say is I was told I should do some self-care. I don't use the word burnout a lot, but I hit walls of like, I would juggle all of the plates, seemingly never be tired. 
I could do everything all of the time. And this was even pre-sport. And I, and then I would just crash completely. Like I would have a meltdown. I would not be able to get out of bed for a couple of days. And I grew up with a bipolar mother. So I did have that modeled for me, but you know, like I would just have to just completely crash and then get up and face it all again. But it would take, you know, there were just some days where I just couldn't face shit. And I didn't believe in myself. I, you know, like no matter how many people told me I was a badass or I was, I, I was just really successful or, and all of those things, it didn't matter. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in myself, even in my day job, but it was nice that I was getting rewarded and, and, you know, the numbers didn't lie, but I didn't, it didn't feel fulfilling. I didn't Oh, I, I definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome. Didn't necessarily always feel like the greatest mom in the world because, Hey, when you have kids and then teenagers, you just don't, you know, and, uh, I had hit one of those walls and it was during a really ugly divorce. And my mom was like, you need to go and do things just for you. So I did. And then I spent years explaining myself about it, you know, because what I did was I had, I had looked at people who did triathlon and said, wow, I could never do that. I wish I could be like that. I could never do that. I don't have the time. I can't take away time from my kids. I, you know, I'm a really crappy runner, all of the, all of the things and the excuses. And then suddenly it was like, you should take some time for yourself. And I, I, I hired a trainer. I said, he said, what are your goals? I said, I would like to run a mile without stopping and go to a spin class and not be the one, the, the embarrassed person in the back who can't finish. And he laughed and I ran a 5k three weeks later. And, uh, and like a month later I did a month after that, I did my first triathlon and it was a hot mess. I was very bad at it. I did all of the things wrong, but I crossed the finish line and I was like, I did it. I, I am a triathlete now. I am one of those people. And I was so freaking proud of myself. And I had so much fun doing something I was so bad at. Um, you know, I spent all of my life seeking the things I was good at right? And like, let me find the things that I am a winner at and do those things and do a lot of them because that's what we teach people about success. And triathlon was like, here's this thing you are really bad at and you don't have any of the right gear and you don't know the terminology, but it was so much fun. And I met the nicest people who some of, some of the people I met in the early days of my try, try life um, are my BFFs, including you, you know, some of the other people and they've, you know, they just have stuck with me and we've all had very different journeys with sport, but I played sport as a kid and loved it. And also often though, still sought out the things I was good at and ignored the things I wasn't and, or, you know, shied away from those. And triathlon is three different sports. You don't have to be great at all of them. You do have to develop a modicum of proficiency at all of them and uh some of those were harder than others for me and um but I just loved it and I I've now been doing it for 17 years I've been a coach for several years um I've done you know I'm not I don't want to brag but I'm gonna give you a little background like Please. I never ever thought I could do an Ironman even I, I've been in this sport for many years and I thought and then there was always like, well, I can never do that. And now, and I learned through triathlon that if you 
you know, I like to say to athletes that I coach, like you can train for anything, anything you want to do, you can put your mind to it. You're going to have to do the work, right? It's not going to be comfortable, um, but you can do anything that you put your mind to. Uh, my mom later told me, she was like, I meant you should go like take a bubble bath or take a yoga class and not start to participate in a sport that would swallow your entire life and change your career and all of, you know, uh, take time away from your family, which actually um, I didn't, I dragged them along. But um, what triathlon gave me was this belief that I don't have to be great at everything to enjoy it. And I can devote time to things, whether they are outwardly successful to anybody else but me. Um, and, and for many years, I did the sport and was moderate to crappy at it and still loved it and still got a lot out of it and um, certainly got a lot of health benefits out of it and just grew and grew and grew. And the biggest thing that grew was my um, self-confidence um, and, and my belief in myself and my belief that no matter what you threw at me, I could figure it out and I could, you know, I, and, I, and those, my previous careers definitely set me up for that, but I didn't really believe in myself until it started happening through sport, to be honest, you know, and then I wanted to coach and I didn't think, uh, I thought who would want to be coached by me? I'm not that fast. I'm not that I'm not famous, but I, but I, it turns out I'm pretty, pretty okay at that too. Um, and there are a lot of people who don't necessarily need to be, or want to be coached by the fastest or most famous person. They want to be coached by someone who is going to pay attention to them and help them and guide them. And, you know, I really think coaching for me is leaning by example. Like I would never ask anybody to do anything that I've not had to do at some point in time. And I just think that all of that gave me the bravery or just the chutzpah or whatever, the stupidity to just say, I can't do this anymore in terms of, you know, the corporate life. And um, because, because that's, a you know, I just wanted to do something that wasn't about the sort of the rat race of success and what success meant to other people, you know, so. It's a, a wonderful story. Like I love listening to you talk about um, triathlon and, and your experience and what it's given you. I find it so inspiring because I, as you know, kind of with sport for me, it'll certainly ebb and flow normally around my uh, work schedule or where I'm feeling like my, my sort of intentions lie. But your consistency has always been something that has, has been, but something that I, I very much admire. Um, practically speaking, what's it like to transition from that big kind of corporate multi-decade career into establishing your own thing? Like what have been the, the most um, surprising uh, and good or bad experiences making that transition? So I definitely thought, so my big biggest hurdles were things like um, my children growing up, everybody having health care, um, paying for college, all of those, those things. And so I definitely had those golden handcuffs in terms of like, part of me always feared, like I would do this job. I, and I used to say this to my husband all the time. I will do this job that I hate until I die. Like I will die on a zoom call 
or, you know, in a corporate meeting, giving a crappy PowerPoint. I just really thought that that was going to happen. And then we kind of hatched this plan and sketched it all out where that might only happen until the last child finished college. And then we could probably um, do something. Even literally, if you had asked me a month before um, I left my corporate job, I probably would have said that that was what was going to happen. I was working very hard to try to come up with things that it would go compressed from like five years away to two years away. I was getting to the place where I was at this wall of like, I can't even fathom doing this for another five years. And especially also because I was doing it through the pandemic at that time. And um, my, my job as uh, chief marketing officer was yeah, we know there's a global pandemic going on and people aren't doing this and, you know, the economy isn't like this, but we still need you to do your job really awesomely and make us more money, even though all these things are happening. Oh, and by the way, it's also your job to help motivate and care for all of these people that work for you and guide them through the pandemic. And to be honest, that act, that part of my job is actually what kept me there. And so I would tell myself that I could stay there if, as long as that coaching portion was, was part of it. And, um, and to be honest, uh, I got a little push um, because I went through a really um, horrible um, corporate political uh, gender discrimination. And I came home and I just was like, I'm tired of doing this. I can't, I, I really can't do this anymore. And to be honest, in 25 years, it wasn't the only time that's happened. And it wasn't even the worst or, it, or most physical thing that's ever happened, but it was just like enough. I, um, I definitely think that, you know, one of the things that I have now is a um, a, a, a self-esteem that says you, you deserve better. I, I give respect and I deserve back. We just decided to do it. Um, and some things also had fallen into place where we sort of hatched this plan to, um, move to a state that was a little less expensive. And that is, you know, because I, I may, I, I don't think I wouldn't have had the huts, but you know, I, I don't think I would have not ever left the corporate world because I'd been talking about it for ages and we had started to transition and build different plans to do so. But I, but I, I know that it's just like signing up for your first Ironman. Like it takes something or someone to help you jump over that ledge. Um, you know, certainly I will tell you coaching men and women guys just are like, I want to do that. I'll sign up. And I think women tend to hedge their bets and are like, these are big gender generalizations. So apologies, but most women six won't apply for a job that they don't feel like they can complete every single thing on the list. Whereas men, if they can do two things on the list, they'll totally apply. And I think um, signing up for big, scary races is similar to like uh, females, have to know that they can do all of the things and feel like they've accomplished all of those things separately before they will sign up to do a race that does all those things. Not even thinking like that's 20 weeks away. I've got time. I have training. I have, 
you know, guide. It, it's like, no, I haven't done all those things. So I shouldn't sign up to do all of those things, even though it's in the future. Um, and so I don't think I would have hit the registration button on my new life had I, I not had that push, you know, like basically one day I woke up and it was like, I don't have a job anymore. And I, and I would say I'm unemployed. And my husband would say, you own your own business. You're not unemployed. And I was like, oh yeah. Um, but a lot of those things were challenging, but, um, I didn't, I didn't think I couldn't handle them. And I gave myself a little space. It was like, okay, I might not have this figured out today. You know, I am not going to just sit here and stare at the wall and freak out and dwell or start applying for jobs. You know, I kept getting emails about other jobs as soon as it hit, hit the street that I wasn't at my corporate job. And I was like, not even going to open them. I'm going to block all of that. Um, and, and, and I just also didn't say like, we'll see how this goes. It was like, I'm not doing that. It's done. Um, and there were a couple of times where I, I got, uh, I got a little nervous or, you know, the bank balance got lower than I would have liked. And I was freaking out and I'd say something and, you know, my partner would say, don't do it. Cause then you're going to be miserable. And, and really it's, been about the mental health benefits of it for me because um you know I I would snap at the people I loved I would you know I would just be going 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 I I didn't just hang out there was no just hanging out with me you know because it was like on to the next thing on to the next thing and I was also really freaking miserable doing what I did and I've now been out for six a little over six months um, and the first few months were weird for me. It was really weird. First of all, I couldn't figure out how to get everything done during the day, even though I didn't have to go to work for eight to 10 hours a day. It was like, how did I do all of these things? You know, I just, it was like, I was broken. Um, I didn't calendar anything. And therefore I would wake up and look at my day and not know what to do, even though I had training and calls with people. Um, and I think I kind of needed that to step away from the regimen for a little bit, um, in terms of like not having my whole life calendared. And, um, and now, uh, we have, I have a calendar and I use the calendar, but my entire day is not planned out from like 6 30 AM until 10 PM. I actually don't set an alarm unless I'm racing or meeting somebody to go train. Um, I, but I, but I literally wake up at exactly the same time every day now. And I don't go to bed at exactly the same time, but I have a really good routine of, of how to, how I wind down. And so it kind of works out that way. Um, and so it's pretty, you know, it's with, it's within one law in order episode or another, but I digress, but, uh, but yeah, so it, but the first few months were really hard. I felt I had like this feeling of guilt and a little bit, not shame, but just, it just felt weird. And I, I did, I felt, I felt guilt that I didn't, I wasn't a slave to my calendar. I felt a guilt that I wasn't a slave to somebody else. I felt guilt that I didn't have to get up and do what everybody else had to do on a Tuesday, you know? And now I just feel freaking lucky as shit, you know? Um, I am busy as hell. 
and I'm training a lot and, and taking care of myself and I'm prioritizing that. Um, and it makes me really happy that my training is not secondary to other things. And I, you know, I, I'm coaching quite a few people. I'm coaching, I coach awesome people. I have just been so freaking lucky to have such a great group of people and then have those people, you know, say, oh, we want our friends on the team. And then they bring their people and they're all awesome people too. And I'm just, I, um, you know, I, I have accidentally created this awesome community of awesome athletes, a variety of ages and genders and abilities. And it makes me ridiculously happy, you know, and it's a lot of work, but it makes me ridiculously happy feel for everyone who is burnt out in their career or, you know, just in their life with all of the plate spinning and shit. But, and so sometimes I feel a little guilty that I am not relating to that right now. I can relate to it because I spent 25 years doing it, but I'm so freaking happy that um, I am recovering from that when we talk about like what burnout is or how we define it, right? Like I, I talk about these uh, symptoms or these clusters of symptoms that tend to involve like not only that emotional and physical exhaustion, but also feeling like a little cynical about the value or the impact of our work uh, and just generally kind of like disengaging because it doesn't seem valuable anymore. And what you're describing in your new path is the exact opposite of that right like you're seeing the value that what you're contributing and how you're helping other people and feeling really kind of motivated empowered and joyous about that like I, I could not encapsulate the anti-burnout vibe better than than the way that you are living and enjoying your work now yeah. so I'm totally stoked for you and uh, can attest to the fact that you just draw great people around you because you're a great person and so I think the rest of us in the community were very lucky that you did get the extra little nudges to register for this new life when you did um, and we're all grateful for having you. That's Megan Tobin, Principal Coach of TMT Coaching, uh, Recovering Marketeer, who has now created her very own business, a very successful own business, doing something that she absolutely loves. Thanks for joining us this week on the Burnout Made Me Do It podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you want to know how much burnout is costing you, you can go to my website, www.burnoutmademedoit.com, where you'll find a free burnout calculator. Till next time, friends. Remember, Mondays aren't the enemy, burnout is.